0: it down. Welcome to Coast to Coast, an NBA podcast by the fans, for the fans. My name is Chris, and hosting with me is my guy, Ronan. Tune in every week as we dive into the hottest content and emerging rumors across the league. Dutchess pulls off three-pointer. Bang! Bang! It's good! Dutchett wins the game at the buzzer! Don't miss a beat. Whether it's a star on the move or the Knicks acquiring another forward, we got you covered.
1: Zion for four, for four!
0: The game is constantly evolving, and whether it's by the eye test or advanced stats, we'll give you the analysis you need to take your fandom to the next level.
1: Here's Davis, 4-3 in the wind. Oh, it's good! Anthony
0: Davis has won it for the Lakers! Sit back and relax. Coast to Coast starts now. happy Hub day everybody welcome back to another episode of coast to coast Rona, my man what's going on
1: i'm good i'm good I'm, uh, I'm i'm excited as always to talk some ball with you and it's uh, gonna be a fun episode today got uh, got some big takes to t- discuss here
0: well listen I, I don't know how fun it's gonna be in the beginning uh nobody likes to look back on past mistakes saying the wrong thing but sometimes you have to you know that's a big part of life is admitting when you're wrong um And I think we got to talk about a couple teams that everyone was wrong about. Um, I think I was a little less wrong, but you know, we won't get into that, (laughs) but the presumptive finals favorites, we got to talk Lakers. We got to talk Nets. And it's been an ongoing conversation, but I want to dig a little bit more into it. You know, we're, we're 10, 11 games in for the whole season. And we're seeing a lot of the same for the Lakers. We've seen, the same dysfunction that we saw in the preseason. It's only gotten worse now that the King isn't on the court. Now tell me, Ronan, was I crazy to say in the preseason that with Russ on the court and without the shooting around them, without the defense, that this team was going to be a train wreck for at least the first three months? I, I, I think you might want to change your mind then.
1: Yeah, I'll <laughs> have to let you have this preseason take for once. That's as tough as it is for me to admit, yeah. The preseason has uh, has continued on into the uh, into the regular season, and I suppose the only good news for the Lakers is that LBJ's current injury is now not as serious as first feared. It's uh, it's been revealed, which is huge for them because uh, up until his injury, he was the only Lakers starter who was a plus player so far this season, which is really. Awful when you think about what we were expecting Not from surprising. this Lakers yeah. team,
0: <laughs> and I, and I think I, I want to, you know, there's a caveat of, you know, are they really that bad when it's only six and five, and it's super early, and I just want to like let's take those off the table for right now because let's just talk basketball, let's talk what's going on in the court, and to add a little bit of context to the six and five, two of those losses are against OKC, like the, the least worst basketball team, and they. Barely survive back-to-back games against the Rockets. They're held under 100 points in one of those games. And the defense, really, and I'm going to harp on this until anything changes, the defense is still horrendous. It's awful. They're second to last in opponent's point per game. They're dead last in paint defense on a team with Anthony Davis, DeAndre Jordan, and Dwight Howard. They're last in opponent free throw rate. And they're bottom 10 in three points allowed and made and that explains why they've lost to these terrible teams. And they've barely survived against some of these bad teams as well. They've had the second easiest schedule in the league thus far and they're six and five. So th- there's just no, th- there's no excuse, man. I mean, a lot of it feels intangible. A lot of it feels like effort. Um, a lot of it feels like when you got mellow on the floor, but he's not as bad as he was before. They just don't have the same sort of commitment on the defensive end hey, that they had last year.
1: melo has been their best player. Oh be my god! <laughs>
0: well, sta- in, in the Staples Center, <laughs> Staples Center, Mello is 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 unreal. Um, but we'll we'll get to him in a second. But I mean, Rona, I I don't know where where does the defense improve here? That, that that's that's a big question. To me. Like what they've they played around a little bit, inserting Avery Bradley, and he's been just awful on offense so you just can't keep them out there and their spacing is already an issue so you can't just throw them in there as a defensive specialist like I I, I'm having trouble figuring out where where the defense starts to come maybe maybe it just goes on in the season but Russ has been bad too
1: yeah you'd have to think that that'll come just because Frank Vogel is such a great defensive coach you'd think that the defense can't be that far away from at least being at little, at least being a, a step up from what it is at the moment because this is not a, this isn't even the playing tournament uh, defenses of level that they're that they're putting out right now. I mean, you say you can say LBJ is a big impact on that. I think maybe just in the fact of, I think he demands that extra bit of hustle when he's on the floor from from his teammates. I think that definitely is a thing. Him alone just bringing more defense. As much as I'm not as strongly as you about him not playing defense anymore, he ain't, him not being on the on the court shouldn't be making that big of a of a difference that that it is to the team. And then you look at AD; he's probably injured. Knowing knowing AD, they, they just have to they have to keep <laughs> playing him. It, every game yeah. there seems to be something after after each game or during each game there seems to be something up with him. And yet he keeps coming back out for the next game, and you just worry that. Eventually it's all gonna to come together and it's gonna be another season like last year and he's not gonna be able to find any way of getting any sort of form and it's gonna it's gonna drastically alter their season. But Russ Russ has been it's been it's been a tough start for Russ in uh, in LA. Uh, especially on the offensive end. My God, it it's uh it's been pretty rough to watch. I mean, he's got a, he's shooting. I think forty one percent from the field, twenty five point six percent from three. He's got an effective field goal percentage of below forty four percent. And the last couple of games, I think he, I know he was a combined to the two or twenty eight from the field, one of five from three, and just combined for a total of twenty five points. I mean. This guy was meant to be a star you were bringing in. This guy was meant to give you that edge to bring you back to being title contenders, and this is what he's putting out. It's, uh, it's a big worry.
0: It's, it's exactly what I expected. And, and just to close a the point there for our defense, because you mentioned Russ, You know, when you bring in Russ, when you bring in Malik Monk, when you bring in Wayne Ellington, um, and you don't have Trevor Reeser out there, and you replace what you had in Caruso, Kuzma, and KCP. Yeah, your defense is gonna suck. The, the personnel. That I think that's that's what it is. And and Russ is as bad as ever. There, the awareness is still not there. You know, he's just constantly ball watching. I mean, look, look how he threw away the game against OKC. Just complete like that. That is one of the worst like end game lapses I've ever seen. And to have that come from your hometown star coming back and it's supposed to be a huge splash year for the Lakers to have Westbrook there. Like, yeah, all all those storylines behind it don't cover up the fact that, you know, this is the player who he is when he has, who he has been, you know, you talk about shooting percentages, all of them are bad, but what the worst is for me and the most telling for how bad the spacing has been with him on the floor is that he's 11 of 43 on open shots. He's 10 of 33 on wide open shots. Now for context four four to six feet is an open shot wide open is six plus feet. And it's so obvious when you look when you look on the court, no matter where he is, any defender, they're not within like 10 feet of the guy. I mean, I don't even know how AD manages to score 33 points the other night. I mean, that that's miraculous for him to be struggling with the lack of spacing, lack of, of space for anyone to do anything on the court. And you know, Vogel has to figure out the defense, but he also has to figure out how to get Russ going. How to he can't be just standing at the wing. And that that's a death sentence for anyone. And if you notice, the two three zone has just been killing Lakers all year long. I mean, they've just been loading up an eighty in the post and they've just been picking off Westbrook's um, passes. It just looks so predictable this year. This is the highest turnover percentage he's had in his career, worse than his rookie year. And I, it's something that has to change on both sides of the ball. And is this Vogel going to figure it out? I, I don't know.
1: That was a big question coming into this season. That it, it was, it was a lot of, a lot of people were looking at it and thinking this is going to, it's going to be really telling whether or not Frank Vogel can truly coach this basketball team. We all knew he had the, the defensive side. Now he's got to have the offensive side and just a general ability to coach individual players and Get them to figure out how to play the system that he wants. He's got to find a way. It's going to be, you'd say now impossible to get the similar uh, levels of defense that they had just with the personnel that they now have. But he's got to find a way to make this work, or he is going to be out (laughs) of the job before the end of the year.
0: I I don't know now. Now that we say it out loud, like I want to take it back because you know at the end of the day, whose fault is this? It's LeBron's fault. Well, all all reports that you know LeBron wanted Russ buddy Hield was going to be there buddy Hield was going to be there and they have Westbrook because LeBron wanted Westbrook and you hand this deck to Vogel and you expect him to figure it out like that's <laughs> that's not fair man um but hey, uh, li- talk- li-
1: life is not fair and it, and especially it's especially not fair in Los Angeles come on now
0: <laughs> well the one thing that's been fair in los angeles has been carmelo anthony who right now I, I think based on hype alone not just his amazing production but based on hype alone he's far and away the sixth man of the year right now <laughs> but let's let's look at his uh on-off splits here he's going to be known as staple center mellow for a reason his his uh home and away splits rather at home he's scoring 20.6 a game on 57% from the field on 64% from three, just scorching hot. He's a 54 positive on a team where nobody's a net positive, right? He's a 54 plus on the road. He's scoring 9.7 points on 28% from the field on 6.3% from three. Obviously like this is such a small sample size right now, but just Staples center mellow. That's uh that's a thing. If you, if you have him shooting in LA, you're going to get something nice.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And he, he's, he's coming out. I, I didn't hear as much of this uh, guff about mellow that uh, he apparent apparently heard. I don't know. Uh, it seems he every, after every game, he, he's, he's making a point of how people were questioning him, saying that he was finished and everything. And he's, he's putting up and showing out, but, uh, yeah, it's great that he's still able to deliver and, and he's obviously he's doing it more so uh, at home than on the road, but he's filling the role that the Lakers wanted when they signed him. And uh, he's probably the only new signing at the moment that can uh, actually say that with confidence.
0: Yeah, that's, that, that has been their, their shining pickup. Um, I think, I think the answer to all this, you know, Trevor Riza, too, is going to be a shining pick. When, when Trevor Riza comes back, I think he'll have the opportunity to really help them on defense. Um, but it all, it all comes down to me, it's it's just Russ figuring it out. Is his responses to – but he's just had such careless responses to his mistakes. You know, every, Everything is like, oh, well, we won. Oh, well, it's just preseason, just first game, just second game. But for a championship team to be a championship team, and Russ wouldn't know a thing about that yet. I mean, you got to be locked in all season. I mean, you you can't you can't just be treating games like it's nothing. Um, and for a team that needs to gel, like their point guard needs to get it together. And I'm a huge Russ fan. I've I've loved loved Russ forever. I thought he was really misused in Houston. I don't think that was a fair assessment for him. I think he had a much better season than people give him credit for last year. But I mean, it just feels like he's really let it get away from him this year in terms of how seriously he's taking his his role on this team.
1: Yeah, I think uh, – I, I totally agree. I think he – is it an element of he – just, he's just expecting it to, to come good. That's kind of how it seems when you hear him uh, talk after these performances and stuff, and, and just an element of – I've done it before I'll, I'll, I'll be able to produce it again. That's not that's not a, that's not the level. That's not the mentality you want when you are a team that are trying to rebuild after a difficult year last year and basically working with a whole new roster. You need this guy, you need your the star that you've got to be in there and ready to dominate and ready to show his best self or it's going to be another crap season in LA.
0: Yeah um I, I i'll stick by what i said I, I think they will figure it out you just gotta give it time but how good they will be uh, i mean that's Russ. Russ is the ceiling for that so we'll mm-hmm. we'll see how that turns out but we got to turn over to the nets here on the opposite side of the coin and former okc bro over there Harden's still struggling um and the game the nets had the other night against the bulls um this will be another shameless opportunity for me to to hype up the bulls because they've just been playing so well this year, but it's been a microcosm of their struggles throughout the season. You know, you see, you see them give up 42 points in the fourth quarter at 42 to 17 fourth quarter against the bulls who they should be winning those games against Chicago. They, they, they should be winning those games against Charlotte.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: They, they shouldn't be held to under hundred against the Pistons. They, they should be not getting blown out by Miami. And I, I can't say it's all Harden because, listen, in this game, I mean, Harris, Griffin, and Brown, they combined for 11 points. And Durant can't do this all by himself. He scored 38 points, 13 and 24, 10 rebounds, forces. I mean, this guy is putting up MVP numbers left and right. But he can't average 35 minutes a game, man. He's, the, the, the Achilles looks good. He's this is probably one of the best, if not the best, recovery from an injury I've ever seen. Anyone's ever seen. But you can't just keep putting him under that load.
1: Yeah, I think that's where you where you do look to harden and you and you need him to to get up. I think he looked more like himself in the game against Toronto that was on Sunday night. He he's starting they they're starting to just kind of be the duo that you, you wanted them to be. You're thinking they they combine for 59 points. When KD was resting, Harden was on and he was balling out and he he actually got them their significant lead. And then when KD was just able to come back in, they were able to ice the game. But that's just happening so inconsistently to to begin the season. And they they need they need Harden to step up. But obviously Kyrie's absence is still, is still a huge problem for them. But Harden's got to get over whatever this slump that he's in, whether it's the real change, whether it's the fact that he's still not totally in his best shape, whatever it is, he's got to get over it. And he's got to get up to the levels that we know James Harden is capable of playing, especially when you're playing alongside a guy as good as Kevin Durant. And if he can do that, it's going to get, it's going to get a lot, a lot easier for Brooklyn. Even when you look at their struggles, uh, they're 7 and 4 now but they were 7 and 3 uh, across their first 10 games which is a, it matches their 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 best start but you the team that they have you're thinking they should be smashing that record with ease
0: yeah it, it's not it's not even the the record i feel like it's it's in not those isolated losses it's the way that they're playing the, the way that they are riding on durant mm-hmm. the the fact that everything depends on durant putting up 38 points and you see it get a little bit stagnant. It gets your turn, my turn. Harden really tries to get going in that ISO and the high pick and roll isn't working. And I, I just, when you look at how Harden has been playing, the foul issue is continuing to be a problem for him. I don't know how, how long it'll take for him to adjust. There's definitely has to be an adjustment period for a guy who's been milking the uh the foul rate across the league for years now. Cause know you know you what's
1: know, you know on his mind too, you saw him celebrate when he actually got a foul the other night.
0: <laughs> yeah. And, and it's tough, man, because I, I feel like a lot of times he's probably it feels like he's a little bit of a scapegoat. Like the refs gotta make a it's like the refs are making up for a lost time for all the the calls that they gave to him they shouldn't have. <laughs> but th- there are so many times where you know someone's got their hand in the cookie jar and he just flails up. Mm. And he's just so used to that. He's so used to that. He's getting past guys, and he's continuously hunting for for fouls still. And I think it's just in the back of his mind. I'd love to see Harden get back to his floater game. I mean, that's something the past couple of years that was elite, and the way he was able to implement that implement that into his um, into his game. And that's not something you've seen him get going. It just he he needs to lean in on on something here because he is. you know you, we talk about him as one of the best offensive talents in the league. I mean, we were talking about him over Steph Curry when, when Steph Curry was out mm-hmm. when he was having his, his struggles a couple years ago, but yeah, the way that Caruso really locked him up in the fourth, I mean, it was, it was impressive in, in that game. He went over to zero assists. He was a negative 18 in the, that fourth quarter where the Nets really needed him only getting 17 points out of the team. And in the second and third quarter, when when Harden's doesn't have it going, the Nets just can't be resorting to Lamarcus Aldridge mid-range post-ups. Like that, this isn't 2011. Like they've got to figure out something. Um, I keep calling for it, Cam Thomas. Yeah, Get him out there.
1: Yeah, yeah. Another issue is Patty Mills. I mean, if he's not scoring yeah. off the bench, there, there there isn't really any scoring. I mean, I think he scored either five points or less in three of the Nets' four losses, which kind of, that that that's, that's a sign there. When he's not producing off the bench, it's tough for Brooklyn. And when it's without him, it has to be just the Kevin Durant show. And if, uh, as good as Kevin Durant is, you can't be expecting him to put up 40 every night. He'll, he'll, he'll probably get close to that, don't get me wrong, but you can't just rely on him to do it all every game, uh, especially this early in the regular season
0: yeah they 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 gotta get mills going they, they gotta get brown going griffin's gotta get going um but the the most concerning thing in terms of offense they're 19th in offensive rating right now i mean this is expected to be the best offensive team in the league right i mean of yeah. course that was when we were expecting kyrie to be around um but even without him around you know this is definitely easily a top 10 offensive team right and the thing you see them struggle with is getting in the paint they, they are last in points in the paint this year and that's really allowed teams to really focus in on their shooters so you know you have Durant getting there Harden's been trying to get to the line but Harden's had his worst year getting to the line getting in the paint and subtle focus now yeah um but I mean Griffin I mean he's Griffin's not going to be that guy. I, I expected Brown to be better this year. I think I think now that Brown's getting a little bit more run, that's a guy you can rely on to, to get into the paint. Mm. But I, I don't know. that For the Nets, I'm not that concerned because you got Durant. Harden can figure it out. I'm, I'd say if we're comparing them to Lakers, I'm less concerned about the Nets than I am for the Lakers. But offensively, things definitely need to get tuned up a bit.
1: Yeah, I'd probably agree, but I, I'd definitely say that I could, uh, could definitely come back to it, uh, coaching again. If we don't, if we don't see a change over over the next month or two, people are going to start taking a, a longer look at at, at Steve Nash because the end of the day, it's only his second year as a head coach. He he's expected to to go and win it all. He's he's gonna have to he's gonna have to change something. He's gonna have to get something going. But uh, I think I think it will work out for them, and I I definitely agree that I'm a. Uh, I'll be a bit more worried about the Lakers than I am about, uh, about the nets in Brooklyn.
0: Yeah. And Hey man, this is the problem when we put teams on a pedestal, we're so used to the Warriors dynasty. We're so used to LeBron just dominating the league. You know, I think we've really emerged into a period of time where there's so much parity. You don't know who's going to be there at the end of the day. We're not going to bet against LeBron. We already know we don't do that, but we have lessons to learn from last season, and um, you know there's there's teams this year that are emerging. Um, we didn't give the Bucks enough credit last year, and then look where they ended up. We didn't give the Sixers enough credit. Look where they ended up, and we had a couple teams uh, play last night: uh, Bucks and the 76ers. and they they feel like to me this year, two teams are not that aren't being talked about enough. And the 76ers are being talked about only because of Ben Simmons. Only we got to talk about their development as a team and not just Joel Embiid. I mean, he's in his own way a bit of a slump now that he's going to be out for a while. The 76ers' rotation, their role players, they look ready, they look really, really good. Um, I mean, they do lose to the Bucks last night, but the Bucks had Giannis, the Bucks had Drew. I mean, they, they were missing Brooke Lopez and Chris Middleton, but they had a mostly healthy team and their MVP. But I I don't know if your opinion's changed on them, but mine definitely has given the stretch of games they've had this season.
1: Uh talk, we're talking Philly now, or we're talking Milwaukee. We're talking we're talking Philly. Philly? Philly, Philly absolutely. I've been impressed with Philly. I've been disappointed with uh with MB start to the season because I was expecting him to to really kick on and, and drive the team forward, especially without Simmons on the great year that he had last year. But it's almost worked out better uh, because it just—it really seems like this whole this whole situation with Simmons has really brought the team together. I mean, you got Seth Curry he's obviously getting a bit jealous of uh, of his brother getting the hogging <laughs> all the credit, you know. So he he's starting to to really step up. I mean, he's averaging seventeen points a game. He's shooting fifty eight percent from the field, he's shooting forty eight percent from three. He's got an effective field goal percentage of seventy percent. And he's starting to create his own shot. He's starting to get oh, scores yeah. in, in different ways that we, we never really saw before. He's got five games so far where he scored 22 or more. He's been he's been huge for the team. And if he can stay at any sort of level like this, it, it brings a whole nother element to this Philadelphia team that they didn't have last year. I mean, they've been without Tobias Harris for large parts of this season and Bede's struggling. Maxi is really stepping up and he's showing mm. that his development. I mean, I think it was 31 he put up last night. I mean, obviously, he was in a loss, but just showing that he can put up 31, just showing the growth in his game has been so impressive. And as much as I was thinking when when everything was going on with Simmons, it was going to have a horrible impact on Philadelphia just being Philadelphia, you know, uh, it's really, it, it seems to have really brought the, brought the whole unit together, which is. It's been very impressive.
0: Yeah, I, we got to talk Maxi in that game last night. In the first quarter alone, he was 7-9, seven 17 points, two assists. But the difficulty of shots that he's taking is, it's so impressive. I mean, mm-hmm. he, had, he has wrong-footed, scoop layups. He's fading away in front of uh, the rim. He's got this Tony Parker-esque floater. He hit it over Giannis, and that could have easily been an and one um the way you reject the screen pulling up from three step back threes i mean this growth is really coming from also his aggression to get to the rim and create contact getting the line getting enough contact to just shed defenders and with his small frame it's surprising just how much pressure he can put on defenders going downhill and you know if maxi is able to unlock those flashes of offensive creation that he had last year that's that's huge for this team because you, you got Seth Curry. You said having a career year this year, not just being a guy that's flying around off screens. I mean, he's creating offense for the 76ers. I mean, this is a team that last year that you go down, you hand the ball, to Joel Embiid, he gets up. then you figure it out from there. Like that, that's just been 90% of their offense last year. Doc can do so much more now that he's got legitimate creators on the court. And I, I think that a lot of this, what you saw was not a blip. It wasn't just a, a guy scoring 30 and a loss. Like he really should have had more. Um, I think where the game got away from them is when Maxi is starting to heat back up in the fourth quarter. And then you, you start to give it away to, to other guys. I, I think Maxi has potential to really be a go-to guy throughout the game.
1: Yeah. I think one, one thing that's huge for, for them. And for Maxi is the fact that he's averaging 16, four and five. He's shooting just uh, just under 50% from the field, just under 40% from three. And he's doing that while averaging over 20 minutes more than he did than he played last year. So he's getting more time on the court and he's producing to a higher level during that time. And I think that that's a real mark of, of his growth as a player in, in his second year. And you hope if he continues in this way and he can maybe even push on here from here, it's gonna make a huge difference to this Philadelphia team, and especially to their second unit, when you have him and Shake Milton kind of playing uh, playing as like a one-two punch. That's that's oh, going yeah. to be big for Philly.
0: Oh yeah, um, when they're they they were running a couple sets last night where where they had both Maxi Milton running off screens, and this is when they're both cooking. And you know, you, you start to see a a vision of an offense there where you can let Embiid get some rest. And like you said, you just have this one-two punch of Maxi and Milton on the floor. And their combination of playmaking and shot creation, especially in the mid-range, that's going to be something that I I hope they develop more of. Embiid's going to be out for, I think, at least, what, seven days because of the COVID protocols? He's going to be out for at least uh, two, three games here. And they're going to get a little more run. They'll get a little more look at that. And they'll get more look at Andre Drummond, um, who... (laughs) he's he's playing like like pistons Drummond. he's averaging 25 20 points 15 rebounds and nearly four assists in three games without Embiid and he just looks like he looks like the best center on the floor at times and the lineup last night with him and Paul Reed who I I gotta give a shout out to this guy I, I don't think a lot of people are gonna know the name Paul Reed but I think you will Doc's going to really put this guy out there. He played on Giannis all night last night. And when you put a young guy on Giannis, they usually look pretty silly. Mm. I mean, he had a block on Giannis. He really was just standing in Giannis's way, absorbing contact, really making it difficult on Giannis. He did not have a good shooting night. And, you know, he can't shoot, can't do anything else. But that that lineup out there with Reed and, and Drummond, I mean, they, they really gave uh, Giannis all he could take uh, protecting the rim.
1: Hey, that's, that's what you really got to do. If you can find any way to divert a player of, uh, of Giannis's talent, then you have a place in the NBA.
0: Yeah. and But, but Giannis, you know, I always have to marvel at Giannis. I mean, the way he took over the game, whenever he wanted to last night, it, it almost felt like, you know, Giannis has been continuously trying to incorporate that pull-up three, that, that fadeaway mid-range jumper. You know, that's something that in the long term is going to be super important for him to have. So, you know, I get why he takes it. But whenever he takes it, it's just so easy for the defense to take, take a, a playoff. But, you know, when it's playoff, Giannis, when, he, or it, when it's a regular season game that he really needs to crunch and get this game together, dude, you just can't stop him. It, it's unbelievable. Like the play where he's just going full speed down the court, two steps. One step he just crushes Reed out of the way. Reid tries to recover. And then Giannis, it, it looks like he looks like a guard. Just he's out of the way in a Euro, easy layup. And he just has these plays all game. And near the end of the game where he gets two consecutive blocks and fast breaks. And he feels like LeBron right now. He, he feels like LeBron in his prime where when he wants to, when he turns it up, the Bucks won't lose. Yeah. And I, I, th- I think the thing is, is that they're not, they're not channeling that Giannis every single time. They're not, just having him bulldoze into the paint because you know I, I think they've been trying to do more than that, but that's that's just the easiest way to win in the league right now is hand the ball to Giannis and just move out of the way.
1: Yeah, especially when they when they have one militants out of the lineup as well. You just that's uh, yeah it's, uh, it's 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 the obvious play. But uh, speaking of big men like Philly's big man, one last bit on them. It's just funny. It's just so Philly that Embiid was having his struggles. But then in the, in the game against the Bulls, he finally looked like the the Embiid from last year. He went uh, 30 points, 15 boards, two blocks, shot 58% from the field, went four or five from three. They win the game, and then he has to enter into the COVID protocols, just as he was ch- starting to get going. Yeah. That's just so silly, yeah. isn't it?
0: it's it's perfect time but hey like you said it gives guys other run let's let's uh george niang look like kobe Bryant out there um shout out shout out to niang i mean guy guy was (laughs) guy was hyping up the crowd and everything 21 points last night um another shout out there's a couple of guys that that caught my eye here semi-ojele too former boston celtic dude was just cashing in threes doing stuff that the celtics were praying that he'd finally figure out how to do and the key thing for the Bucks this game is seeing some flashes of, of a rotation. I think it makes a little bit more sense than what they've had in the past. If Ojale is a legitimate stretch defender um, that that's, that's what they hoped PJ Tucker was going to be last year. Um, now, no, no disrespect to PJ Tucker, who all of a sudden can shoot a corner three in Miami. But I mean, you have it's a guy deep. like Ojale, that's <laughs> Yeah. Something out there, but the, the Bucks have looked really good with guys like Nora, with guys like Grayson Allen. Grayson Allen had 25 Grace points Allen's last been, night. Been, been here yeah. for he might be, I think he's better than DiVincenzo ever was, in my opinion. And I think he's definitely already better than Pat Connaughton. And I think it's only a matter of time until Jordan Nuora eclipses Connaughton's minutes. Um, so, I mean, these new guys they got here, you know, they, they seem like such fringe moves in the offseason. But the way they've been able to contribute and the way it's so easy to play around Giannis with the amount of gravity that he has in the court, I think those guys are going to really make an impact when it comes to the, uh, the playoffs.
1: Yeah, that's, that's, a, that's, a just, that's why it's just so important to have a guy like Giannis. It's just once you have a guy like him on the floor, it is just so so easy to build around from there. It, it's 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 kind of it's it's crazy to think of, but he is just that good and that dominant. It, it, it's similar, like you said, to LeBron. LeBron's days in, in Cleveland, he was just so dominant that as long as you had any sort of talent around him on the court, you had a chance of doing great things. And it, and it's yeah. the same way in Milwaukee.
0: Yeah you know and it's not all roses in milwaukee we'll we'll talk a little bit about some that that concerns me is their their half-court offense without middleton still looks pretty stale and you know bud has done a really good job of allowing players to play really freely um but at times you know they they open the second half and they have this streak of going 0 for 9 it's just watching Giannis try and get to the paint nobody's moving around drew holiday trying to get an iso and try to post up I, I don't have numbers on this but I think that might be the worst efficiency play that the Bucks have but I want to see more movement from Grayson Allen give him the ball the, the way he's he's scoring off the jump give give Nora a chance Get give these other guys a chance to to pick and roll with Giannis that pick and roll with Giannis with Grayson Allen the, the way he's been shooting I and mean, that that's something that they've done a couple times there but there's other things that other buttons that Bud compress, especially in the half court, that I think they need to to work on, given their early struggles on offense.
1: Yeah, I think it's more just a kind of an element of just kind of giving the 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 role players kind of the keys, just a little bit more when militon is out. I mean, it's only early days in the regular season. I mean, they got to almost give the guys a chance to play militon's role and see if that if obviously they're not going to be up to the same level as militon because he's just been so good for for Milwaukee but you gotta give them the same respect and, and see what the, that can work how that can work for the offense I think that's that's an important element I think they've they've kind of just let it let it impact them more than more than they should have I think they, they've given themselves less of a chance by kind of playing that bit more of just give, give give Giannis the ball and let's and let's see what's happened they kind of do that a bit too much I think they should, uh, they should try to trust their guys that, that little bit more until Middleton, Middleton gets back.
0: Yeah, and they're another team, them and the 76ers, they'll only get stronger as the season goes on. Um, but two teams we want to touch on briefly here that have had incredibly hot starts. Um, we already talked about the Heat, I think, last week. Um, they're still humming along. Third-best offensive rating still in the middle of Kyle Lowry's continued slump. Um and again, I, I just want a shameless plug out here, but I, I, in the spirit of looking back on mistakes, I want to see the national media talk about the fact that they hyped the hell out of Kyle Lowry signing to the Heat. But DeMar DeRozan was just the worst signing in the league, getting him over to the Bulls. Um, so just, uh, just a little note there. But man, the Heat, their ball movement looks great to the eye, but I mean, that's not why they're scoring. Their assist percentage last year was 67%, top five in the league, went down to 59% this year. But their offense is on fire. I mean, they're getting a lot of isolation play out of obviously Jimmy Butler, but also Hero creating his own shot as well. You're seeing a lot of a lot more offensive production out of Bam Adebayo. bio. Um, and I just wonder how how sustainable do you feel this is? I mean, are we gonna see the heat and this end the season? As a top five offense and a top five defense, I mean, are we just sleeping on an obvious title contender right now?
1: Uh, I, like, I I I think I think we kind of are. Maybe not top five in each, but they won't be. They won't be far away from that. I think they're reigniting all the qualities we saw in the team that went to the finals inside the bubble. There, they've gone seven and three so far. And you talk about Larry's struggles on offense. Yeah, it's been it's been dire. It's been dreadful. You you have to think he's gonna he's gonna figure it out. But he's slotted in perfectly on on the defensive end. He's still he's just that kind of player. He, he's gonna give you enough on on both ends. And you just think he's gonna have to figure it out offensively. But and when he does. You kind of have to think that this Miami team is only going to get better from there. I mean, Jimmy Butler has been been awesome. I think he's around twenty five points, six boards, five and a half assists, shooting fifty three percent from the field. He's he's been he's been impressive, and obviously, Heroes doing his bit off the bench. My boy Heroes, he's stepping up for me this <laughs> year. He's I got that for, from from the start. I knew he, I knew he was going to do well for Miami, but I mean, okay if you there, knew, you man. would have picked him
0: as six man of the year.
1: Uh, uh the way that they're playing <laughs> and the way that they still aren't at peak level yet, I think then that's why they are definitely going to be a team to, to strongly consider uh, come, come April, come May.
0: Yeah. And, and if they do, if they, if they make it that far, it, it'll be, it'll be a really interesting way of doing it. So the the league right now, as it is, is shooting the highest volume of threes that we've seen. And, you know, offenses are entirely predicated on your three-point percentage and getting easy shots at the rim. Um, and their shot diet is really confusing for a team that's a, that's third best in the league. And they take the fourth most to mid-rangers, and they make 43% of them. That's good for 11th best. It's not too shabby. But then they're bottom 10 in both three-point shots and shots at the rim so, I mean, they, they, in terms of an efficiency profile, like this is one of the, should be one of the most inefficient teams in the league. They, they should not, they should be a bottom 10, bottom 15 offensive team just based on analytics alone. But it's interesting because they guy, got guys like Jamie Butler, a revamped Tyler Hero, and Bam with a revamped shot. And kind of similar, you know, uh, again, shameless plug, similar to a team like the Bulls who has DeRozan, Levine, and Vooch. All these guys are players who can thrive in the mid-range. And I think that the league right now is really geared against what everyone else is trying to do is three-pointers, getting easy shots at the rim. And these guys are getting a lot easier looks. And maybe that's a dynamic that's going to change as the season goes on. Teams are going to begin to game up for that, figure that out. But it's it's an interesting thing to see in an age where everything's geared around just getting your threes up. Um, and defensively too, I, I wonder how lucky this is. They're, they're sixth in defensive rating, and in terms of defending the three, they're giving up forty-two point four attempts a night. That's a league high. Nobody else gives as many three pointers as they do. And the Bucks did this a couple seasons ago. They were decried around the league, but Bud put together the best defense in the league. Because guess what? Not every team is a good three-point shooter. But opponents are only making 31% of threes right now. So I, I, don't, I don't know how much that regresses. That seems pretty low. But what I do know is when you watch these games, they switch everything. I mean, you're, you're switching between Lowry or Bam. You're switching Morris or Tucker, Jimmy Butler. I mean, that, that you are getting switched on to a good defender up and down the starting lineup you know, or even with their reserves. So I, I think they've always had tight defensive rotation with the And that's something that's not going to change. And it really makes you think like, you know, why not the heat? Why not them? What, what's going to stop them from dismantling the nets? If they have struggles like they've had in the early season, what, what's going to stop them from dismantling any other team, you know, if, if we're talking nets and I, I think I've definitely slept on this team and it would not surprise me if we're talking about this in June and they're advancing to the finals.
1: No, it would be crazy, and, and especially I think early in the season, some of the teams that they beat have been uh, have uh, been quite notable. You look at the likes of the Nets, you look at the likes of Milwaukee, they're, they're going to be the rivals that they want to be facing there come playoff time. And I think when you look at that Miami team, I always just love, I just think Miami is just such a well-run franchise. I think everything that happens is for a reason, and it all comes together so well. And I just think that, with Jimmy Butler the way he is, this coaching team, everything, I think this this Miami team are just a team that are looking at all these other guys and like they don't want to face us, and we got this chip on our shoulder. We want to make something happen here, um, and they are going to be a team that no one wants to face, especially come playoff time.
0: Yeah, and I, I we gotta we gotta cut our our little heat uh spiel short here. We're, we're trying to do better here around around time. I think we're doing pretty good at that. But we want to have enough time here to talk about the Warriors. Man, Man I
1: think I think we got a tie I think I think it'd be crazy to not uh, not mention the team with the best record in the league.
0: <laughs> Again, all, all of this within the context of what what was our take in, in the summer? What what were we thinking about this team? And I think one of the biggest takes that we had was the fact that they weren't able to consolidate their their young players and their picks into a star player. If they weren't able to really improve their roster in a way to be a true contender, you know, and our, I think our most positive outlook was they have some pieces to build with, to bridge the future, yada, yada. This team looks good. I mean, they, they were a really good defensive team last year. They're fifth in defensive rating this year. They're first and it shows on the floor. It's not a fluke. And rebounding is huge concern for this year. They throw out so many small lineups out there. They are third in defensive rebounding, fifth in offensive rating last year. You know, they struggled to create outside of uh I'm sorry, they're 20th in offensive rating last year. And they just couldn't create outside of Curry. And now they're fifth. And you see it on the floor. You see it coming from Jordan Poole. You see how Curry is really, I mean, he was playing on MVP level last year, but right now it feels, it feels effortless. Like he's not, he's not doing this against triple teams right now. He's, he's doing it on a team where you got to respect the shot of Otto Porter Jr. You got to respect uh, Bielka's shot. And they're moving around in a, a much, much revamped Steve Kerr system. And the things are really starting to like be fluid the way that it was a few years ago. You know, this isn't Golden Age, Golden State Warriors, but it's a pretty nice replica of it at the moment.
1: Yeah, it's been it's been unbelievable. It's just great, great team basketball. I think it goes back to to the coaching of Steve Kerr. It just shows what a great coach that he is. And if he this is if this is for real and Steve Kerr brings back the dynasty and they go and win another championship, I think you have to consider him as one of the greatest coaches of all time. I think he's right up there with the best if he's able to, to revamp this team like this and continue on the way that they've they've been going. It's 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 been unbelievable. Obviously, they have had a rather favorable uh schedule to start. So, <laughs> yeah, but it's fair. still yeah. to go nine and one is uh is still pretty impressive. I think uh they're also you say talk about the first in defensive rating, they're also first in points per game with at 115.2, which is pretty impressive when you were coming into the season thinking, okay, so who's gonna score for this team outside of, of Steph? And other guys are stepping up, and it's it's just great team basketball. Like I said before, I think you you look at all the the amount of cutting they do, the amount of easy uh, shots at the rim they get, just because mm-hmm. this offense just works so well. And with when Steph has the ball, there's a good chance there's probably eight defensive eyes on him, and he can find the open cutter if they want to double team or triple team him. He's just going to find an open cutter and they're going to have an easy route to the basket. And if not, he's just going to be able to put up a shot from literally anywhere that he down pleases. I mean, his handles, his dribbling, his ability to create separation and just knock down shots literally from anywhere, literally anywhere on, on the court. I mean, there's nowhere that he has a, has a weak spot, really. And we saw all of that in that game against Atlanta 57 and 10 on a true shooting percentage of 74.1. It's uh, unbelievable. Just absolutely unbelievable. outrageous. I didn't appreciate Steph Curry enough when he was going head to head with LeBron, but watching him now, it's just, uh, he's just an absolute animal. One thing I was shocked of was the fact that he's the oldest player to have a 50 and 10 game at 33. The previous record was Wilt at 31. I was a bit surprised that LeBron didn't have one of those games, uh, at least above above 31, with the way when he was carrying that uh, that Cleveland. Yeah, I don't off. think he's had,
0: he's had his fair share of 40s, but I I don't yeah. think he's had a 50 piece in yeah. a while. Um, but man, it, again, we can't. You don't you don't even have to talk. I mean, go watch Curry if if you if you're listening, and you have not been watching Curry this season. I mean, you're doing yourself a disservice because this is the best show in basketball right now, hands down. Best show in basketball,
1: and they still um, have to add Clay Thompson back.
0: <laughs> I know, and th- this is the thing. You know, I'm not going to assume. I'm not going to assume that they're going to get a truly healthy Clay, but it's it's not even just him. They also have Wiseman coming back because the seasoned Wiseman. Um, I guess maybe seasoned is, is a little bit uh, a bit much. I think he has a still ways to go, but they have more coming in. And we came into the season thinking depth is going to be a problem. I mean, you, you looked at their roster last year. He's like, who's going to play and pool again, looks amazing this year. And they got Gary Payton, the second, who is my new favorite. Who is that on the warriors? Um, Obviously we know who he is. We know his dad well as a glove, but he's a fierce defender, man. I, his energy, he brings to the floor. He feels like the most intimidating defender on the floor at times. And The Warriors have outscored opponents by 68 points with him on the floor. Sample size anomalies. Yes, yes, yes. That'll go down, of course. But it looks that it looks that good with the way that he brings energy, the way he's getting his hands on balls everywhere. I mean, he's not afraid of any defensive assignment and he strikes me. He feels like a Caruso type of of defender, Mm -hmm. energy rebounder, just gets downhill and, Man, he catches lobs like nobody I've seen on the Warriors for for a little while. Nobody, yeah, no, I, I can't think of a better lob player that, that Curry is, has has played with, ex- except for this guy. And this guy's an unbelievable athlete.
1: No, he's, he's been very impressive. I think uh, when you're coming in as uh, the son of a former player, it's always going to be a bit tough. There's always going to be certain expectations, but I think – he's just come in, he's playing to his strengths and he's doing his job. And he has been, he's been re- really, really fun to watch it in the, uh, in the early days of the, of the 2021, 2022 season.
0: Yeah. And uh, we want to finish here. T- talk about this last team. There's so many teams that, you know, you, you could, you can make an argument for a lot of teams. That's what's been fun about this year. A lot of teams that you can talk up to being a contender. The jazz have been consistent the past few years and we wondered what it's going to take for them to really be a true contender what it's going to take for them to be a favorite because you know they've, they've done it statistically they've had the best uh point differential in the league for the past three years except for the bucks only behind the bucks and this year you know they're continuing their offensive onslaught their second offensive rating And they're doing this while shooting an uncharacteristic 31% from three. They're just killing guys in the paint. And their second point differential again. Their defense still looks as elite as ever. And they got a copycat Rudy Gobert and Hassan Whiteside. And a couple of players in the Jazz I want to talk about, because I I think so much of the Jazz success is pretty obvious. They're doing the same old thing. And Mitchell looks, again, better. Every year you say he looks better. And who, who knows until he gets what he deserves to be Recognized as a true superstar, but everything else on the Jazz, it, it's pretty obvious. It's what you saw last year. But a couple guys here is again Hassan Whiteside. It, it, he hasn't looked this good since the Heat. And the fact that they can play, they can keep their style of play that Rudy Gobert does a lot of to contribute to. You know, Rudy Gobert is is not a. People hate the the screen assists stack because it's just it's kind of wacky, right? Like you're, he's not actually doing anything on the box score, but. Hassan Whitehead has a similar amount of gravity on his rim runs, and he has been the best I've ever seen him at defending the pick and roll. And the fact that they can really survive non-Rudy Gobert minutes and play the same way, that's, that's something they've never had before. And that's going to be interesting to see throughout the season is, you know, they have insurance for Gobert, and their defense should be better than it was last year in terms of, of their rim protection with Gobert not out there and it's another step in the right direction for a team that's you know just waiting for a small any small changes to really break right for them to get into the finals
1: yeah I think that that that's definitely the the biggest element that I, I've noticed as well just actually having some reliable sort of cover for for a really good player. obviously you're never going to Truly replace Gobert. He's, he's the, the best defender in the in the league. The best rim protector in the in the league. He's he's a huge part of this Utah team. But I think Whiteside has has been a real a real surprise for this team in a similar sort of way to the impact that Drummond is having in uh, in Philadelphia. They're two guys mm-hmm. that everyone was thinking, ah, oh, they got they're going to be crap. They're not going to do anything that they're they're needed to do here. And they're stepping up early. It's just a question of can they maintain this for the year i think and you look at the jazz and you think that the likes of clarkson and conley haven't really got going yet they're not they're not playing to the similar level that they did last year so they still have that to to come in, in into the team again it's just so hard to to judge them now because they've been this good over the last 2 3 years do they have enough to go and kick on I still don't know. It's still hard to, to to really say it with any sort of confidence. Either way, we're just going to have to wait and see as the season progresses. And then when we get and we see their matchup uh, come playoff time, they will be in the playoffs. They will be a high seed in the West. But do they have that bit more to get them past uh, the first or second round? I still don't know.
0: I'm, I i I absolutely think so. I mean, I I think they have all the pieces. And last year, I think a lot of it came down to um, Donovan Mitchell's health. I mean, he he had a fantastic series, but um, Conley's health as well. So, I mean, you said it there. Conley is not, you know, fully there. And he's going to ramp up throughout the season. I think they're going to rest him. They're really trying to keep him for the playoffs. Same thing with Clarkson. You know, he's a streaky, streaky score. You know, that's going to come. But a player that I really – think is going to be a huge x factor for them again this is on the margins you know we're not talking crazy crazy guys like Don Mitchell these are fourth fifth guys but fourth fifth guys on championship teams are huge we just talked about the Lakers losing Alex Caruso I mean Alex Caruso KCP Kuzma the guys who I think were integral to their success and I think the Jazz have a guy in Royce O'Neal who's I think he's going to be a surprising ceiling raiser you know he's always been a havoc defensively just ask the heat he had six deals against him the other night the way you can just switch on to bigger wings you can overpower smaller guards but you know on offense he's always been a guy who's been the weak link you know the way that the jazz can just like throw the ball around to a good shooter everywhere but then it's Royce O'Neal that that was something that at times would be kind of break their their chain when they're going on an offensive run but he's been much better this year not just not just in terms of shooting, but the way he's been able to attack closeouts, make plays off the bounce, attack the rim, really uses athleticism and getting to the rim. I mean, he's looked more confident offensively and is doing a lot more. And again, fourth, fifth option, just to have him be more productive offensively, I think it's going to be a huge, huge impact on this team keeping leads. And wait for Rudy Rudy Gay to come back too. I mean this guy has been a solid score for the past five years I mean he's not he's not the star that people hoped he was early on in his career but he's going to be a mid-range threat he's going to be a dynamic isolation player and he's gonna be switching on defense I think they have a couple guys here that are going to really change their dynamic especially in non-Donovan Mitchell minutes in non-Rudy Gobert minutes if Mike Conley's hurt they have a lot more to work with than what they had in the beginning of the year last year
1: yeah, I think I think that's definitely a fair point. But I think, like I was saying before, I think it with, with Utah, it's kind of a wait and see. You know they're going to be a really good, if not great, regular season team. It's just you just kind of wait and see. Wait, wait and see come playoff time. Let's see what sort of health they're looking at. Let's see what sort of form some of the guys, such as Clarkson, a streaky scorer like himself, what way are they playing? Is Whiteside still going to be able to provide solid minutes covering for Gobert? That's the big thing. But I like I like the point you're making. They definitely they got they've got that little bit little bit more in terms of scoring from the rest of the team. They haven't had been able to go and they haven't got any more another superstar to play alongside Mitchell or anything. But this is just a really really good team and they are not that far off becoming a great team and that and this 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 could be their year
0: absolutely and i love that i was able to use uh royce o'neill of all people to uh, make that point but uh all that aside donovan mitchell and i think one thing i've been seeing from mitchell as well that may have an impact down the stretch is he's looked like a much more disciplined defender he looked he's looked a lot a lot more locked in on that end and i think that's A potential that he hasn't fully reached yet. I mean, offensively, he's off the charts the the way he's developed over the past few years. But defensively, for him to become a stopper would be something that would, that would also, that would be game changing here. So, you know, what we'll, like you said, we'll see. And I think the the goal of this little exercise we've done here is to evaluate some teams we might have missed on. And I think I'll feel pretty comfortable by the end of the season uh, that we've hedged our bets, we've picked our favorites, but we've also thrown in our, uh, our, semi-favorites here as well but I think there's a topic that we haven't had the chance to get to here but we we want to preview it a little bit for our next episode I want to I don't know what we're going to name it this is going to be a fun little episode name but I want to call it hipster MVP picks hipster MIP picks there's some fun players out here this year that have been going on absolute tears and really changing the dynamic of their teams who aren't named LeBron, Curry, and be Jokic and you know, we've we had some interesting starts this season. I am interested to see uh, where we're going to go with that soon.
1: Yeah. That, that's, that's going to be a fun. We've, we've uh, got two, almost too many guys to discuss that are having breakout years that are having MVP level years or early on in the season, whether it's going to stick who knows, but yeah, it's, it's been a year where a lot of people are going to be gunning for, for these awards. And it's a, uh, if, uh, even half of them uh, continue to, to go the way they are. It's gonna be uh, it's gonna be really exciting all year.
0: Yep. And by the end of the season, we'll be able to say we picked them as MVP before they were cool. And that's the point.
1: Yep, and that's what it's all about. That's what that's what the hip, this hipster life is all about. <laughs> you know it.
0: All right, all right, Ronan. It's always good talking to you, some NBA with you, man. Um, even though uh I, I think we'll we'll have to work a little bit on your on your takes on the lakers we'll we'll keep doing that we'll do our our lebron therapy sesh every week until you get it figured out but until then man nice talking to you and go nicks bing bong
1: <laughs> don't give me you, that, you know it's too. a tough week
0: for you if we don't even talk nicks yeah I'm, I'm, not, I'm not i'm not up for talking <laughs> Nick at the
1: moment yeah uh, yeah it's it's been a it's been a rough week we could only beat uh only able to be Philly with uh without M B. That was uh that was that was the only thing we were able to do. Yeah, it's uh, it, it's been it's, uh, another week of bad losses, but uh yeah we're still we're still doing okay.
0: <laughs> All right, my friend. We'll talk to you soon.
1: Take care. thanks for joining us on today's episode of coast to coast don't forget to hit us up on instagram and twitter at coast to coast nba podcast to hear your takes discussed right here on the show and remember take every shot and love every moment